Hello, friends. I'm your host, Christina, and you're listening to Radical Stepmoms, a podcast about the good, bad, and really ugly moments about raising a child that you didn't create. Here, I'll discuss the realities of co-parenting, the way stepmotherhood affects a marriage, the relationship with our stepkids, and most of all, navigating the relationship with ourselves. I want each episode to leave you feeling validated, empowered, and oh so radical. So pour yourself a LaCroix, a glass of red, or whatever, and listen in on Radical Stepmoms. Hello, Lori. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Christina. It's great <laughs> to be here. Yay. So, um, Lori, you and I kind of connected as usual, like through the gram. Um, <laughs> and I love what you're doing. And anytime I talk with a seasoned stepmom, a stepmom who has made it through the teen years, a stepmom who has navigated full-time custody, I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Come on, <laughs> let's share with everyone um, how you're still standing. <laughs> exactly. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. So if we want to start, um, let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the moment you kind of became a stepmom and well, I guess a little moments before that, but yeah, tell us about your, your, your journey and we'll kind of unpack all of that good stuff. Yeah. Well, I had a long season of singleness in my life. I didn't marry till I was 49, went through a broken engagement when I was 42, which was already late in the game. Actually, that's an interesting story because after a year and a half, he ended up going back to his ex-wife or his ex-wife came back to him. So that's how that engagement ended. Did, Did he have kids? He did. So oh. I got some practice uh, before oh. I actually began. And it was uh, a little bit sad because I really bonded with the girl. Um, mm. Of course, it was great for the kids that they got back together. It was a hard experience for me just going through that. And not really my plan to marry so late in life. But when I married Jerry, it was a package deal. He had a boy that was six, and he actually was a stepdad himself. He had mm-hmm. raised two kids in his previous marriage, with, and they were from husband number one. And then she left him for her husband that she's now married to and happy with, which we're glad. <laughs> uh, but in the process, they had Jordan really just before they broke up. Mm. Uh, and she, she left him uh, right when he turned four, I believe. And so, you know, this child was a huge part of Jerry's life and certainly Mm -hmm. a big part of whether we were going to get married. It was a serious uh, commitment on my part that I knew included his son. But at that time, his ex was living in town. And so our first year was done co-parenting, which I know a lot of listeners (laughs) are involved in. And I I have to just, I want to start handing out blue ribbons right now to everyone who's doing that because it is one of the hardest seasons that I think anyone goes through having to have on and off and on and off. And you're, I mean, there's just the fight for stability is Mm -hmm. giant. Um, and there's always that detox when they come back. And then just when you get them to the point where everything's settling in, they leave, you know, so we did that for a a year and it was actually, even though it was really hard, I think for Jordan in the long haul to work through, it was actually a great thing when she moved because it really clarified for him, Mm. you know, being able to be with us and then summers he would go to be in Australia and we did have that huge detox when he'd come back Mm -hmm. but at least it was only once a year and not every week right so I mean she didn't just move you know a couple hours away she (laughs) moved to a whole other continent that's right that's right yes and so how was that explained to him how did you feel when I mean 
I sometimes hear from, you know, stepmoms who are like, my husband made this decision and didn't even talk to me about it. Like, what were those conversations like in your home? Was it an, was it a, um, an obvious that he was going to stay with you guys or did mom want to have him? Like, what was that like? You know, I often think about what would have happened had Jordan been a girl and Mm -hmm whether the same thing would have happened. I do think Jerry would have fought for that. In our situation, I really don't think a child was in her plan when she had Jordan. Now, naturally when he was born, he was adorable and she, everybody loves him, you know, including Mm -hmm. her, of course. Uh, But in the plan for her life, I don't think having a child was, Mm -hmm. was part of what she bargained for. So that when this happened, she approached Jerry and just said, I would never take your son away from you was, I believe the phrase that she used. And we actually were thrilled to be honest because I was not a bio mom. I know that that creates a whole lot of complications. We had decided not to pull out all stops. (laughs) You know, I mean, it would have been a reverse vasectomy and heaven knows how many in vitros for me to even try to have a child at 49. Mm-hmm. But it was a conscious choice in some ways because of our age and because of Jordan, because I knew that it would be different for him mm-hmm. if I had my own child with Jerry. And so we trusted that this was just part of our plan. And mm-hmm. because I was available and excited to be a mom, I jumped in, which I, you know, I have no regrets over, but I always say the level at which you jump into your stepchild's life will create uh, so much more joy, but also so much more heartache because you're always going to be the second mom. You're -hmm. always going to be the stepmom, even if you raise the child that biological bond is gigantic. And we all deal with that as Mm -hmm. parents, no matter how much parenting we do, how many sacrifices we make, it seems so unfair, but it's true. And we only have to think about how we feel about our own bio parents to know how strong it is. So that was our situation. It was never a conflict for me. I can understand how it might be for some you know, if your husband comes home and says, yay, guess what? We've got him full time, you know, wait, that wasn't my plan. But for me, it was, I was an older mom, but I was thrilled to do all the things mm-hmm. that moms get yeah. to. And, and I think that even if it is a joyous thing and that it's welcomed and exciting, that there's still that change and that transition. And so often, you know, in this role, we are trying to balance this new romantic relationship while also intersecting the parenting part of it. And when all of a sudden you're going full-time into both, right? it's like, what? Yes. I would imagine. I haven't done that, but. Yeah, you know, well, I, I just remember even the first morning uh, because Jordan was delivered on our doorstep, literally when we came home from our honeymoon mm-hmm. and it was our, it was our turn. <laughs> and I remember forgetting Christina, cause you know, I'm in my honeymoon bliss and I was walking down the hall and saw him and I jumped like, Oh my gosh, you're still here. You know, it was, yeah. it was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm a mom, you know? And, right. and I just remember that first morning taking him to school. Cause Jerry had already gone to work and the, the terror I felt, in fact, so much that I went to my friend's house after school who had a child, (laughs) you know, can I just come over? Can, can Jordan come over and play? You know, I, I just needed company Mm -hmm. and you know, that's, that's what you do so well on your podcast is the company. We need other stepmoms Mm -hmm. and we need other moms. You know, we need people in our life to help us Mm -hmm. do this. Yep. Absolutely. It takes a village and a lot of wine. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So um, I know that there are, I mean, you and I have chatted before. And so there's so many little stories that I, uh, that I just find. So let's talk about, you know, um, 
bonding with your, your stepson over time, how he felt, um, you know, the complications I'm sure that he felt with his mom being so far away. Um, the things, the conversations that you guys have, I'm sure you've had to have, like, tell me, tell me all about it. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Jordan dealt with that abandonment stuff early on. We could see it. He would ask for me to come in and cuddle with him every night. Um, and of course, when he became a teenager, he was like, well, you were just a mother figure, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was my joy to step into that because I knew something deeper was happening. Those of us who work with hurting people, I know you do as a social mm -hmm. worker, you know that there's a huge history for why people are the way they are. Mm -hmm. And it usually <laughs> harkens back to something that happened in our biological first families um, with mom or dad. And so I knew, I knew consciously I was stepping into something bigger than me. And certainly he was dealing with it. There were some other uh, health things that he dealt with, nothing huge, but he wasn't conscious of what was happening, but we knew, we knew mm -hmm. that a lot of it had to do with abandonment stuff, which he was able to articulate later on. I think in junior high, he went through a really difficult stage, but at the beginning for me, it was tenuous bonding because she was definitely still in the picture, even though physically she wasn't there. She was mm -hmm. staying in touch with him, you know, making sure that she, her place was in his life. And mm -hmm. so that was tricky um, because pretty early on, he, the mom thing came up. She's not even in the country now and I'm volunteering in his classroom and what's he going to call me? It started with Lori mom and so eventually Jordan and Jerry actually sat and talked about it. And maybe this is a word for somebody just because I know people negotiate this. She had told him not to call me mom. And mm -hmm. so that was in his little Which brain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he actually had a conversation with Jerry without me there. And he came up with a plan. He said, I, I'll call, I want to call, I'll call her mom while we're here. And then when I'm with my mom in Australia, I'll call her Lori. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Christina, that stuck. It got weirder and weirder as years went on. For me, that was a, a, a little heartache for me when she would come home and suddenly, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, oh, hi, Lori. You know, and it was awkward yeah. even coming out of his mouth when he'd Zoom us from over in Australia and he would call me Lori and you know, I just hold Jerry's hand and, you know, those things yeah. are the hard things, which other stepmoms have to do way, way more than I did. But uh, that was our agreement. And now as he's 18, I will tell you that he reflected to me that when I asked him if it was hard and what does he think about having two moms or calling me mom, he said, I said, what do you think your mom thinks about that? He goes, I don't know. And I don't care. So oh, well, at, this, yeah, at, this, <laughs> at this point, I think he's old enough now to say, I can give that title to two people and it's not betraying right. anybody. And that's really what I, I wanted him to know that I wasn't replacing and erasing her. I was just an right. additional mom for him. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think, I think a lot of that word, man, that title, it is, it's so, I don't know if triggering is the right word because triggering sounds negative, but it's such a topic um, oh. and it comes up in, and I mean, and everyone can have their different, that are different uh, feelings about it where I know, you know, some stepmoms don't want that title unless it's with their biological um, or, you know, out of respect for the mom or whatever it is. But I love how you know, he handled that. And even at that age, he was able to come up with a solution Yes, that in, in that way, like honored, you know, how he felt about it. And it, yes. and though he had that loyalty, obviously, where he was trying to respect his mom when he was around her, it was still, he was still very aware that you're mom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's a great word that having the biological parent of the two of you have a, a private conversation with the child about this, if it's starting to get awkward or, you know, mm -hmm. there's so many unspoken things 
in a step family and you're not sure how much should you be a part of what kind of would he feel pressured if I was there to say one thing or another I think that that allowed him to come up with a plan we felt great about it and then I just and even to this day honestly Christina at his wedding I'm gonna have to be prepared that I, I might be Lori you know and and that's, I think the hard, it's probably harder for stepmoms who are not biological moms. I will just say that because I think if you have a child already calling you mom, you know, it, whatever your stepchild calls you is fine. But if you don't, and you are mothering this child, there is, I think a desire in all of us to have the title. And yet you do want to be respectful of what the biological mom's wishes are. So it is. Yeah. I mean, even now, I mean, my stepson, he will occasionally uh, call me Chris, which was what he first called me when he was three. Yeah. Um, but still, it kind of like comes and goes. But anytime he strays from mom, it like does jolt me. Yeah. And I have to actually like be an adult about it and like talk to myself and be like, this is no indication of the relationship that you two have. This is no, this does not represent his feelings towards you. This is, you know, he's going, I have to kind of walk myself through that. Um, and then it's funny too, because my daughter, she picks up on things like right now, she doesn't want to call my husband daddy because her brother calls him dad. And so my husband will be like, okay, well, you know, come with daddy. And she'll go, no it's dad, your dad, because brother calls you dad. And it's just, you know, so I know like, yeah. you know, you have to do it, but it's just the, the titles we carry can, oh. can have evoke so many emotions. And you are absolutely right that the title really has very little to do with the actual relationship because some people make their children call them mom or, uh, or, this or the bio mom has said absolutely not no matter how much mothering she does you may not and the child doesn't know what to do and mm -hmm. so you're supporting the child but your relationship is what the most important thing is you yeah, know yeah. it's not what you're called so mm -hmm. so I, I want and it, i have to ask for all the full-time stepmoms um did you ever grapple with the feelings of here i am doing all of this and then as soon as, you know, she's mother of the year because she calls or, you know, whatever. Did you ever? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes, of course. I, I, you know, from everything from finances to everyday care to the teenage years and getting all the snarky things that moms get. And then hearing the giggles from the room when he's chatting with his bio mom going, you know, so many times, and you talk about that self-talk, you know, for me being a person of faith, I mean, that really was what kept me is like, I'm okay. It's okay. I'm where I'm supposed to be. This isn't a judgment, but you do have to have that place to vent. And whether that's with a supportive group, mm -hmm. somebody else who understands what you're going through, a relationship with God, whatever it is, you've got to <laughs> get yourself yeah. back on that track because it is so, I, I, just in a moment's notice. This still happens to me. Oh yeah. Um, so there are triggers all kinds of, all, all kinds of uh, times. So. Yeah. I mean, even I spent the, the past weekend with my, um, my in-laws, my husband's stepmom, and she even like still gets a little irked when, you know, bio mom comes up, my husband's mom, you know, or like, oh, how's she doing? And, oh, you know, she's, you know, oh, you haven't seen her in a long time. And, you know, cause you know, we see them a lot more than we see my, my mother-in-law. And so there's still that like competition and stuff. And my husband calls her mom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've always known him to, to do that. And it's just the little things that I notice. I'm just like, oh man, like, even if the kids grow up, even if the kids are married and have two kids and their wife is on the boat and like all this stuff, like you're still a stepmom. You're still like navigating all those feelings. It doesn't yeah. end. No. And, and I think you have to make room for them so that you can work through them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they get buried and I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel this way. I should be a bigger person. 
But having a safe place where you can work through those feelings gives you the energy to come back and say, okay, I remember who I am. I remember what I'm doing and what's important here. And the truth is, Christina, what you are doing in the life of a child could be saving their life, you know? And, and so to keep that, you know, I always say you might have to lose a battle to win the war. I mean, if you just keep that in your mind, like that is what I'm doing here. I'm filling these holes for this life that is going to grow up and be an adult and get married and have kids. Mm -hmm. And if I can do that, that's bigger almost than, you know, all these other things that you have to put up with right? to, to yeah. be that really. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keeping that bigger picture in mind. I mean, our role will not end when they turn 18. And so no. like no. it will change and shift and develop over time. Like the stepmom that I was and the relationship that I had when I first met him at three years old is a lot different than it is now when he's 10. Yes. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about your relationship with your husband and how you guys kind of worked through all of the blended family stuff that I'm sure, um, developed over time. Yeah. Well, like you, I was a little bit of the broker in the communication because mm -hmm. my husband and his ex did not communicate very well. <laughs> Understandably, <laughs> that's what a lot of us walk into. And so that was interesting for me being that and stepping into that without stepping on toes was another little dance uh, that you do um, because you have to be careful how you come across. You don't want to be like, I know everything about your child or, you know, that kind of thing. So you're always, I'm always like reading and rereading emails. But as I said, because she lived in a different country, she would come and visit uh, a couple times. Her mother lived here in town. And so there were at the, especially at the beginning, she had some times with him here, but primarily it was when he left to be with her. And so we had to communicate, especially early on, you know, about lots of things, uh, but we were in charge a lot of the time. So yeah. we, you know, and we Which were, I envy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. And that's, that's certainly part of my story. It just worked out this way that I got that. Now, for some people walking into marriage, that's not what they bargained for at all. Wait a minute. I didn't know I was going to be doing this for 12 years. And then I'm already late getting married. And, you know, I'm actually raising a child because a lot of people get married late, but the kids are older. So it's a different yeah. situation. Mm -hmm. But when they're in your house and you're raising them, it's, it's, a, it's part of the package of my marriage. Mm -hmm. And so the good thing is we did have summers. So that was sort of a yay boo for us because mm -hmm. we had this time off that we could vacation and do things together. But all that time he was away from us. And then we knew that when he came back, there would be this shift because the longer you spend in one family, the more the influence takes over. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking, we're talking about six to seven weeks solid. So, you know, initially when he'd come back, I remember having a lot of, we don't really do things like that here, or, you know, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all these kind of, and, you know, I've always felt like the best defense is a good offense. And so I just, I remember talking to Jerry about this, like, I want to do this differently. And so the way we would do transitions, and this has to look different when people are doing them weekly, but I would always plan in advance something that our whole family would do or he would do where he'd be in an environment, not just with us, that could continue the influence, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was really strategic on my part. And that helped us so much. So whether you can you kind of, yeah, yeah. so example. like we, we had a trip, we did a trip. I remember to Nicaragua, it was a mission trip actually with several families one year, it was almost two days after he came home. So he's not just with us, but he's with all these wonderful families and children around him. Or we would plan camp. Oh, he went to camp. He just happened to go a couple of days after he came home so that we weren't the people always going, no, we don't, we're right. different, la, la, la. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, I think a 
bigger thing than people talk about just what that looks like those that first day you get them back for all of you that are doing this constantly mm-hmm. what is that what does that transition look like for you and so that was something we had to talk about but largely as i said my husband and i were in this together i knew what i had married and i think i, I actually will say something about that i think that sometimes people don't realize what they're getting into. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when they get married to a parent, they go, oh, you know, it, it'll just be a few years or part-time or it's not going to really affect. You know what? You have to look very long and hard at the children attached to your spouse before you marry them because you're in a very real way marrying those kids too. They're going to be in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's just figuring that out and what that's going to look like. And obviously your communication with your spouse is gigantic. I mean, your spouse is going to be the one to broker the relationship you have with that child. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think, I think we need to be reminded of that more often, um, where I send so many messages back to very distraught stepmoms being like, okay, but what's your partner doing? Like, what are they, what kind of conversations are they having? Are they, you know, helping or not helping with the conflict with bio mom, you know, like all this stuff where, you know, I mean, and that's why our, our, one of my biggest things is it's not our job to fix it, right? It's not our job to fix it. It's not our job to organize everything. It's not our job. It is a partnership between you and your partner. And there needs to be a delegation of roles and and expectations there. Um, Absolutely. Like, you know, I, there are, it took several years for me to finally be like, um, actually I have more control over my anxiety now. And I want you to talk to your, to, to talk to the bio mom because I don't have it in me right now. And I, I think my husband at first was just like a deer, like cotton. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) You do that. Yeah, Yeah. 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 You can, you can handle it. I trust yeah. you. Um, I believe in you. <laughs> so, but yeah, like leaning on our partners. Oh, I mean, more. that is so, I think step parenting has to be both of your jobs. Really your, your bio, the bio parent is literally helping. I mean, it's all up. In fact, I think Wednesday Martin says that in her book, step monster. It's mm-hmm. like, your husband is literally the most important part of your step parenting relationship. Mm-hmm. So you're, your partner, your spouse has to be in it with you. It's not, oh, here are my kids. There you go. You know, I mean, and I think you can tell that early on when you're dating, what it's going to be like. You just watch the relationship they have with their kids. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> when I, it comes down I, yeah. I, I think some stepmoms have, were very deceived in what mm. the relationship was like in the beginning. Um, and when you're navigating high conflict uh, individuals, they their behaviors fluctuate. So if they are, I mean, I've talked to so many where it's like, yeah, she was totally fine with me in the beginning. And then as soon as we got engaged or as soon as we got married or as soon as we had a, something mm. switched and, and then you're into this whole other chapter um, that you just want to throw the whole book and burn it. Yeah, <laughs> so, you no, know, I, I can see that. I can see that. And I think- I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a bio mom, but I'm sure a lot of it is fear. I mean, oh, all of yeah. a sudden you're, oh, wait a minute, what? You know, and so I knew I knew that early on, like, okay, I don't want to make her afraid of me. Like, I'm just going to come in and, mm-hmm. but um, so it's a, it's a dance. And, and that's why having that support from your partner, from your spouse, mm-hmm. the person that is going to champion you. That is so huge, but things do change. You're right. And you do navigate really sticky situations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. being then, able to communicate is huge, huge. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, our partners don't know what they're getting into um, necessarily. Sure. A lot of a lot of them, I think, think that it's going to be a lot easier than it is or that it's not so complicated. And then we have these stepmoms who are trying to communicate these really complex feelings to their partners. And they're like, what's the big deal? Why is this so, you know, whatever. 
And then that's when you forward my posts onto them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the only one. Exactly. Um, And yeah, the more communication, the more you can share, you know, because I think it takes a a really strong stepmom to make this blended stuff work, but Mm -hmm. also a really strong partner who's willing to, you know, get uncomfortable in their feelings and confront the hard stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. definitely if you can't speak your truth in your in your marriage or you know with your partner I it that's a really and you're right it does change when you get married but that is super important whether you have to get counseling or help or a Mm -hmm. third party or a support group or whatever it takes and I think that's a great idea to to forward because I've actually showed my husband a lot of your posts just to show how many people, how many women are out there that are in pain and, and doing difficult. I, I can't tell you how I've just sort of become more aware of that. Mm -hmm. Even recently, just how many people are in difficult situations Mm -hmm. and my heart goes out to them. And I hope, you know, I can provide sort of that. I I made it through, of course, he's going to city college, Christina. So he's going (laughs) to be here a couple more years, but you know, making it through means like, okay, he's, he's coming into adulthood now. He's seeing things differently. He's going to be able to see all this himself. And that is what you know is going to happen. It happens mm-hmm. to all of us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, well, I think this will be a good segue. We're going to take a break. Um, and then when we come back, I want to talk about your amazing book um, that I finished two nights ago. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> We are going to break that down. Um, So after a break, one second. All right, Radical Mamas, I want to talk about the first resource I found as a stepmom. Stepmom Magazine was a game changer for how I navigate this role. It's an online magazine with articles from all the top step parenting experts on all things stepmom. Each issue is packed with insights, tips, and validation from licensed therapists, published authors, and step family professionals who know and live the stepmom life. Stepmom Magazine also has ebooks specific to special topics like disengaging, being a full-time stepmom, parental alienation, and so much more. They are all available to download right now. I subscribed years ago and is exactly what I needed to feel less alone and more supported. Getting that monthly email telling me the new issue is out is like getting a warm hug from another stepmom. To subscribe, head to stepmommagazine.com and use the code RADICAL20 to save 20%. If you find something that makes you say, yes, hell yes, me too, send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. I love hearing from you. Again, that's stepmommagazine.com and use the code RADICAL20 to save you 20%. All right. So we're back. And Lori, we're going to talk about your book called Grace-Filled Step Parenting. Um, I, first of all, want to say that you are an amazing writer. This book was incredibly, um, I mean, easy to read. Like just, it was like, I mean, I have talked to you like a friend, but it was like, it was a friend talking to me, Mm -hmm. um, which was very cool. Um, But there are a lot of different parts of this book that I kind of want to unpack and, and stuff. But before we do first share, what made you write this book? What's your intentions? Um, you know, hopes, dreams, all of that. Yes. Well, thank you. First of all, that means a lot coming from you. And I think, you know, I am an author. I've written books for a, a number of years. I started early on writing youth ministry books when I was single. And then I kind of hit 50 and I was like, I want to start writing about life now. (laughs) I feel like I'm old enough to, to write about life. And so I wrote a couple of books. One, one is on perspective and some other things about how to hold on to your faith when things are falling apart in your life. And then I came up with this feeling that I wanted to write a book on step parenting as my stepson was hitting his teen years. But I just felt like I needed to to get his permission. And I knew he would say no. 
he was at the age where he was saying no a lot. So I knew he would say no if he didn't want me to do it. And I wanted to be respectful of him because this would be in print forever. So we sat down with my husband and just had a talk with him. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. I said, I think it might help other step parents. And very honestly, Christina, I, I have not been in the world of step parenting. It's not like I wrote books on step parenting. I knew a lot. And I just wanted to write our story, but I wanted it to be meaningful for people who didn't have the same kind of story. So I did a survey of 125 other step parents. And that was kind of my beginning look into, wow, this is a painful thing <laughs> that a lot of people are, are doing right now. I mean, you know, I remember one question I had was, uh, what is one piece of advice that you would have for other step parents? I asked all of them that. And one person said, run, don't do it. It's the hardest thing I ever, I've ever done. And so, you know, I was like, oh, lots of hurting people out there. And so uh, as someone who feels like my calling in life is to help and encourage people, I just thought that's, that's the tone I want this book to have. Mm -hmm. I, I want to encourage people that are in it. Mm -hmm. What is going to keep, keep them going really? Mm -hmm. So it was probably the hardest book I've ever written so far because number one, it was so personal. Number two, I was very concerned about my family and stepson and his mom and just people reading it and mm -hmm. wanting to be as honest as I could be. Um, but also respectful. And I had asked Jordan to write a chapter, which he was initially going to do. And then COVID hit and I could tell that my deadline was coming up and he was not going to get it done. So we made an interview instead, which I love to say is the snarkiest part of the book because yeah. he's in that stage, you know, and I can when I was reading it, I could envision like, I mean, you and I had had a conversation about it before, but just the, the tone that he had and just kind of like, uh, uh, exactly. Logically. Yeah. It was, it's great. I, yeah. I actually think it turned out better having, having the interview. Um, cause it's, it's raw, right? Like it's straight, yeah. straight, like, straight up. Absolutely. I wrote even as painful as it was to write some of those words down. I was like, okay, this is it. But I just kind of, I trusted obviously with my faith that somebody needed to hear this, that I too, it might look very ideal, you know, wow, she had a great situation. Well, Hey everybody, you know, it's not always great and it's complicated and it's hard. And he's in the middle of teenage years. Um, I wish it could have been when he was young and adoring or a, an adult reflecting back on all the things I did in his life. But no, here we are, COVID, teenage years, stuck in the house. So you get that, but you also can feel the underlying, and that's what I hope step parents feel, that the underlying relationship between us that is really precious to me and I know is precious to him, even when he's not mm -hmm. saying it. Oh, yeah. You know, and so, and that's what, again, you have to tell yourself, but I wanted to do this book to provide encouragement and perspective to other step parents, as well as the endurance, what mm -hmm. it's going to take, because it's a long story mm -hmm. and you're signing up for a long story and mm -hmm. it's going to change and have lots of different chapters in it. And I just want to hold your hand and say, you can do this. If you love your spouse, your partner, if you love that, if you, if you feel like you're committed to that, and even when your stepchild is not giving you anything, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, maybe hurting in some ways you on a daily basis, you are doing something so important in their life. And maybe because I've seen so many adults ruined by um, their childhood mm -hmm. and adults that didn't care about them and so as hard as it is, even when you're hearing horrible things from them, they're not doing that because of you. They're mm -hmm. not responding because of you. They're not, you are getting a lot of what they're feeling about other things in their life. And yeah. so that's why you have to have support. And that's why <laughs> I love what you're doing because you have to have other voices in your life. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I hope this book is. That was a long, big answer, but. No, no, that's great. I and I think you did a really great job. Um, I think there are so many 
topics and feelings and, and all the emotions and stuff that come with being a stepmom or step parent, but you, you validated and then you, you provide a lot of like guidance and, and like some, like, honestly, I could highlight through this book and go, that's a mantra. That's a mantra. <laughs> that should be on awesome. a postcard. That should be, you know, written on my mirror, um, over and over again. So, um, one I'm going to read, um, an excerpt here because I, this is one of them. Um, and here you're talking about unfairness and mm. fairness. This is in the chapter when unfair is okay. Mm-hmm. And man, it's like, yeah, there's so that feeling of like, this isn't, this isn't fair. This is, you know, I'm doing all of this stuff or, you know, how, you know, all that. So one of the uh, paragraphs here is while letting go of fairness may feel weak, you will win by staying open in your relationships. Fairness keeps people locked up and separated, whereas forgiveness builds bridges between imperfect people and allows broken families to heal. You may have to let go of what you feel you deserve or the kind of relationship you wish you had, but you will end up witnessing what grace can put together. When you keep fighting the battle of fairness, the people you end up being most unfair to is you. Hmm. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, some may read that and, and, and think of their stepkid or, you know, whatever. I personally read that. And, and you talk about the different relationships of unfairness in that chapter. But for me, it was definitely the bio mom Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I don't want to be her best friend, but I also don't want to be her, you know, enemy either. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had to do a lot of like letting go of what I thought that relationship was going to be like and what that could have done for our family and all the, in all the positive ways. Um, and there's that grief in that. And you talk about grief in this book and yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, I'm just a fan. Um, I think that, you know, this adds, you know, there's a lot of stepmom support stuff out there, which there should be, um, because, you know, it hits people different. Um, and we all just have to search for what speaks to our soul. But, um, I feel like this book is a a big addition to the, the stepmom bookshelf. (laughs) Well, I can't tell you how much that means. And, you know, that chapter was hard to write because I wasn't sure how people would receive that. It, it feels, it could feel sappy, like, oh, just, you know, lay down and let people walk all over you. And that's how, no, I really believe that forgiveness stance is the most powerful weapon we have in some ways. It's, it's what changes the room when you are the one who goes first, when you are the one who forgives silently, because you can't even Mm -hmm. say it out loud. You know, Mm -hmm. in my situation, there's never been any conversations of, forgiveness or and I, I even say this in the chapter like you can't walk up to someone especially not the bio parent and say I just want you to know I forgive you because <laughs> what you're really saying is I hope you'll apologize to me because uh-huh. you know but you can do that silently and with the support of others and in my case God that powerful letting go is what allows you to do things that are unfair that ultimately you will be the one who benefits from it and that, that's what happens. I mean, which is crazy to think about, but it's true. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like I said about my professor, he has a great quote in his book, Forgive and Forget. And he says, you know, uh, forgiveness is uh, unlocking the prison door and letting the prisoner go and realizing that the prisoner is you. Mm-hmm. And that is such a weird thing to think about, but it is so true. People get locked up in resentment for years and years Mm -hmm. and years. And it's only hurting. It's only hurting. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's easy to say, and it is fancy in the ways that we can say it. Um, And it could seem like, oh, it's just easier said. It is easier said than done. But I think everyone has their own process in getting there. Um, Everyone can take, like for those listening, you're listening to this, this could just be the seed that's planted and it'll, you know, you're gonna nurture it and and play with the idea 
of what it would feel like if you didn't feel and carry those negative things anymore and you just let go of the idea that she's supposed to be a certain way or the relationship with your sip kids are supposed to be a certain way this isn't the life and just seeing it for what it is mm. and giving your energy to the life that you have um i think it, it it's a daily practice for me when i want more for my family um not to say that I'm not grateful, but it's just, I want my stepson to have the supports that he should have. And I want, you know, him to all the things, yeah. um, but holding on to that bitterness and that resentment and, and saying things are unfair are, you know, preventing me from, from doing the things that I can do, you know, um, yeah. I felt like that rambled a bit, but no, all no. that to say, you know, we, we all have our own ways of processing certain um, things and, and hearing the different ways that we can better our family. Um, and however you get there is, is your journey, you know? Absolutely. I mean, the emotions have to be expressed. That is what's so beautiful about what you're doing. The emotions, the real things you're feeling have to be expressed. That's part of forgiveness. In order to let go, you have to acknowledge it. But swallowing it on a daily basis, like medicine every day, is not probably going to move you forward in your situation. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're on your way out, then that's one way to get there faster. But if you're saying, I want to somehow learn how to make this work, this is a huge secret. Uh, for how to do that. And again, it's not a one and done thing. That's the problem is mm -hmm. that I'm still doing it on a day. It's almost like an addiction in a way, because you go, I have to do this like every day or every week or whatever. It's not just like, Oh, I did it. And it's done. Cause there's new things all the time to forgive. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's true. And I, I did really want this book to, to touch on those very difficult things about step parenting and not just gloss it over like it all can be fine you know because mm -hmm. I, I really feel like it's hard like it says on the back it's hard but it can also be rewarding if you know that you're participating in something that's bigger than you because you're doing something in the life of a child that is going to outlive you you're making their life better by any moment you get to spend with them and um and, and you get to control that, which is, you don't get to control very much as a step parent, but you do get to control that. And that's like, you don't want to give that up. Like, wait, this is my chance to influence. This is my chance to be, to stand in the gap, I guess, mm -hmm. for this child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think your, your, your book overall speaks to something that I, that I preach a lot, which is it takes our own inner work right? We can't be waiting for other people to catch up. We can't be waiting for other people to get a freaking clue. We can't, you know, that if, if we are going to be successful in this, it starts with, it starts with us, the way that we think, the way that we process our feelings, the way that we communicate them, um, the way that we grow and, and get better. So, um, yeah, I think anyone who's looking for a nice stepmom read, um, yes, you can, uh, pick up Lori's book, all of the information, on how to snag her book will be in the show notes. And when this airs, I will be doing um, some swipe ups so you can so you can grab it there too. Mm. Um, Lori, last final question before we end here. Um, what would you, as a seasoned stepmom, um, for someone who is do, going through what you went through, you know, full timing, it may be the teenage years. What is something that you really leaned on to keep you strong? Hmm. Well, I think we've already touched that. Obviously my faith is a part of that. Um, feeling like I'm not in this alone, but I would also say community. I mean, you said it at the beginning of the podcast, Christina, it takes a village to raise a child and it takes a village to raise a stepchild. And one of the things that I think Jordan will forever appreciate about me most is the people that I brought into his life, which have nothing to do with me, except that I know them. And they're <laughs> my friends and family and people that I trust. And I know that biological parents do that. They want their kids to be surrounded by good people. And you can do that as a step parent for the time that you have that child, you can be strategic about 
who you invite over, who, what kind of play groups you are a part of, you know, support groups. Um, you need help, <laughs> I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can't do this alone. And if you feel alone and you're listening to this, that's why it's so hard. You've got to reach out to others. And I know that there are support groups of blended families all over the place. You just have to look for them and you can become a part of that. And, and then also the support you get online with um, people like Christina, but even just the real life bodies, uh, people mm -hmm. in your life, in your community, find, find those people. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that really would be my biggest encouragement to others. I guess my, my one last word is you can do it. I mean, I know I sound like a cheerleader, but you we wouldn't that sometimes you would not be where you are you know I don't believe in accidents and you wouldn't be where you are if God didn't think you could do it like I really think about that sometimes I think why am I here I can't do this I'm but you wouldn't be where you are if your child didn't need something from actually from you and who you are mm -hmm. everything about you is something your child needs, your stepchild needs. And even though it's not through biology, we're influenced all the time by people outside of biology. So, mm -hmm. you know, even to think about it that way, you are doing something that will be a gift in your stepchild's life that they can't articulate right now, but they will be okay. able to know someday. Absolutely. Yeah. Ah, uh, such a positive episode. I'm just so excited. <laughs> well, 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 Lori, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing your story and, and your, your wisdom. Um, everyone, I will put Lori's information in the show notes so you can reach out to her. Um, I'd love as, it. Yay. As always be well and stay radical. All right, ladies, the episode is over, but do you want a little more? Come find me on Instagram and join the community at Radical Stepmoms Podcast or schedule a one-on-one -on -one session and get that personalized support or become a Radical member and gain access to exclusive content like bonus episodes and merch. Radical Stepmoms is so much bigger than a podcast. Check out the details and the notes on this episode.